podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. And oh, what a Monday it is. We've got so much to talk about, recapping the weekend that was, looking ahead to the week that will be so many games, so many teams. I am thrilled. And joining me, as they always do, my good friends and co-hosts, JSJ, Jamie Steyer-Johnson herself. I love it. Hey, we're back on track. We're feeling good. I'm I'm ready for a big week, Philip. Jamie's always in such a better mood after an Iowa State victory. I don't know why that is. Uh, and of course, Andy Mitts. That probably just means I'm always in a bad mood then. I mean, <laughs> I feel like you're just used to it Man. at this point. I, honestly, I'm like numb to the KU losing at this point. So it sucks. I have to talk about it all the time. Um, and if you have to talk about it, unfortunately, you can't you can't internalize it all as much as it sucks during the game. You get to post game mode and it's like, OK, this really sucks, but you can't let it affect you because otherwise you're not going to want to talk. And you're going to take a you know, in a week to record a recap episode that you shouldn't have taken that long for. So basketball season yeah. is just over 20 days away. And I know it's a, yes. an easy target joke, but I, I don't even mean it as a joke. I just mean basketball season is like just over 20 days away for all big 12 teams. And for Kansas fans, I mean, I think most of you are just looking forward to that after being picked uh, preseason number one in the big 12 men's side. Pardon me. Men's side. Heck yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw the first Kim Palm preseason rankings for this year out. And I think Kansas is number three or four. They're three and Baylor's four. Wait, I was just looking the other day and I didn't see it. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, sweet. Yes, it is out. That would be why. I had not looked yet today. So, wow. Yep. Kansas three, Baylor four. And then the next, wow, wait, the next big 12 team is Texas Tech at 12. I'm actually a little surprised by that. Texas Tech seems high. They really do. Obviously, I don't don't want to take anything away. Texas Tech was there. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma round out the big 12 teams in the top 40. Men's side, as we continue to emphasize men's side. Obviously, Christine will talk about this on the Midwest Madness podcast here coming up. Then I don't know, this week, next week. 
I'll put a little bug in her ear and remind her that she needs to do something. Um, <laughs> I say we'll definitely have something, whether it'll be on on this feed or the Midwest, the Midwest Madness one. But Christina and I are both going to be at Big Toll Media Days coming up this week. So there will definitely be something with that information and kind of talking about the official beginning of the season now that we're starting to see preseason rankings. Yeah, I am so excited to have you guys there. That is this Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday. Remind me. Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday is the women. Wednesday is the men. Uh, I will not be going. Um, for a variety of personal reasons, as much as I want to be there. And trust me, <laughs> when I got the credential in my email, I was like, ah, I can't go. Um, so Christine and Andy are going on our sets. So we'll have plenty of coverage from uh, men's and women's Big 12 Basketball Media Days this week. That's, women's is the first day, men's is the second. Jamie, are you going to be there for, for Iowa State? No, if I if I had like really wanted to, I probably could have figured out a way to make the trek, but... It was just so short of notice that like missed opportunity. I yeah, I I, I thought that this time was going to be a little bit busier, but considering that as soon as basketball starts, I'm uh doing about 80% of Iowa State's radio games this year on the women's side. So once the season starts, I'm all over the place. So I might as well take advantage of this last month of relative peace. There you go. That's fair. So, so, so Philip, I'm going to hijack this for just a second. Anybody that's listening that has any questions that they want Christine or myself to ask to any of the coaches, uh, we will do our best to actually get those questions in. But you know, if there's anything you're just dying to know that we think we can ask and get away with asking, then we will do our best to work at it. So, so, so definitely let us know um, whether you're, you know, leaving stuff with Philip over on Twitter or on Instagram or wherever it is that you're interacting with us. But uh, yeah, we are going to try to cover this as well as we possibly can, which means you're doing everything we can to answer whatever questions you have for whichever the coaches it is. So, so easiest way to send those questions in, you can uh, just add us on Twitter at 1012 network T in the number 12, the word network. Uh, our DMS are open. If you want to shoot them there, trust me, our DMS got uh, overwhelmed after I was made a joke about needing a graphic designer and I got attacked by bots. I think my DMs is ugly, folks. It was ugly. I'm sorry. There was way like it was it was bots. They didn't have enough follow. It was weird. Anyways, um, no, that happens. Yeah. That's that's one of the things that'll trigger the bots. The bots. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram. Our DMs are open there at ten twelve pod t e n number twelve p o d. Uh, and of course, we have ten twelve podcast at gmail dot com. If you want to shoot us an email, that is another way to do so. And we will. Uh, I will make sure that Andy and Christine get those questions, and we will try and ask as many as possible while while they are there. Very excited about that. I appreciate you guys going and taking care of that. Again, I am I am sad to miss it. I really am. I really, I really want to be there. Um, but you know, sometimes when you have kids and they're small, you don't get to go do fun things you want to do. Um, especially not if I want to try and go to Bedlam football in September. Um, anyways, okay. We got a lot of games to talk about. We had five Big 12 games this past weekend. Let's just start here. Texas Tech 41, Kansas 14. Uh, Texas won this game in a much more dominating fashion than I expected them to. I thought there we would get more out of Kansas's offense, but the bigger takeaway for me for Texas tech here is they hit the, uh, the win total over it's five. It was four and a half. We were wrong. And by we asked me myself and Daniel Alexander, it looks like the tech bet has not gone his way, but uh, it is going the way of a, of a nonprofit in Lubbock. So he'll be writing a, a very large check uh, soon we'll be talking about that on Thursday when we make picks. Texas with, Texas with five wins. I think they're, they're going to make a bowl game this year. But my biggest question moving forward for Tech 
Well, how many wins or what does this team have to do down the stretch for fans to buy into Wells? Because I think like the worst case scenario for tech fans, and I know that's a weird thing to say, is like he wins enough to stick around, but not enough to make the fan base actually happy. Like they've got Kansas State, which we'll talk about coming up uh, this coming Saturday. And then they close the season at Oklahoma, home for Iowa State, home for Oklahoma State, and at Baylor. Like it's a gnarly stretch to the end of the season. Congrats on the win at Kansas. Um, they 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 won convincingly. I thought that would be closer. It wasn't. They get Kansas State coming into Lubbock. Um, I think Tech's going to go bowling, but I could also see this team down the stretch going, starting six and two and finishing six and six. So I don't like. I'm not trying to poo poo on Tech. I'm just. I'm my my biggest question for them is as simple as. What does it take for Matt Wells to keep his job or to be relieved of his duties? And and what uh, duties? And what do Tech fans actually want to see happen the rest of this season with the rest of the schedule? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny that you talk about that because I mean I was talking with Albie Shore over on the Rock Talk podcast about this, and you know he was definitely concerned that like hey, you know they always play weird games with Kansas, and this one wasn't nearly as weird as I think both of us were expecting. Um, but you know it is one of those things, and we've talked about it over here. You can't really take much from a, a win like this against Kansas because they are dealing with all the things that they're dealing with. You know, they do have a brand new guy. You know, I have talked about this ad, ad nauseum over on rock chalk pod. And like, uh, there's just not a lot to take away from a, a win like this against Kansas. And, you know, Texas tech fans are having problems with Matt Wells right now. Like there's some really, really bad losses the way that they were barely ever. They weren't really in the game against TCU. They weren't ever really in that game against Texas. They had a surprising win against West Virginia, which that next week, you know, kind of you lose a lot of the good feeling of that because of the way that West Virginia just got waxed as well after that. So, like, it's one of those things where, I, I mean, I don't know what you do as a Texas Tech fan. Do you, like, I actually posed this question to to Brandon Phoenix, you know, of, of the Rats Boys kids. Like, would you rather know now with a very bad loss that the guy you have is not the guy or him win just enough that he makes it to next year and you find out the end of next year that he's not the guy? And, you know, I, I mean, it was it was kind of a mixed bag there, but I think most people probably would just rather know now. Like, if you have that many questions, he either needs to do something to make them all buy in, which means getting a big upset win over one of the last four teams on their schedule here, or, you know, he needs to flame out so bad that they are ready to go ahead and move on from him. And there's been a lot of, you know, grumblings, a lot of people upset with the way that Matt Wells has done a lot of things. Unless things turn around pretty drastically at the end of the season, they're kind of going to, they're, they're going to be in that kind of limbo state where do you, are you really bought into what Wells is doing or, you know, are you, are you kind of worried about the future there? And that's not a good place to be. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, it's exactly, it's just not a good place to be. And it's kind of hard to get a gauge on it because I think there is kind of a division between people feeling like they're kind of on the right track there. I mean, it's hard to not look at five and two and say, all right, you know, there's definitely some potential there, but a lot depends on how they finish the season. Obviously there is a really difficult stretch coming up. So I don't know that I have a prediction so much as a major curiosity because as someone who's witnessed so many ups and downs of a fan base, I just find it morbidly intriguing to see what, how success, and failure are measured by other fan bases because it's it's a it's a very quick alarm that can go off in some situations for sure. Yeah, the worst case scenario would be them getting a huge out of nowhere win 
say like somehow they were to upset Oklahoma in two weeks, right? And because Oklahoma somehow threw seven picks or something like like mm-hmm. some randomness like that. Not that I have any experience, you know, with Kansas beating Texas on the back of six turnovers or anything like that. But like that made the fan base buy into what David Beatty was doing at KU. That made people raise the expectations and David Beatty feeling that pressure like went all in on JUCOs to try to get stuff turned around really quickly and buried the program even further than they were. You don't want that sort of situation here where you get a big win that might be fool's gold that comes off of the back of something really weird that is not, you know, something that you can replicate. And that allows you to, you know, commit to or continue on with a guy that just doesn't have it for what you need and ends up hurting the program in the long run. So I'm not saying that, you know, Texas Tech fans should want them to get waxed the rest of the way so they can get rid of Matt Wells. But what I'm saying is, you know, be very, very careful about what you do see because you don't want to go to the point where you're reaching for a reason to keep Matt Wells and reaching for, you know, oh, we're seeing progress. Things are obviously turning around now when it's built off of really weird or really unsustainable things. And then you end up causing a lot of problems down the road. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, Andy, do you have any thoughts on Kansas? <sighs> to be honest, um, no, no, I'm just numb at this point. <laughs> it's one of those things where, okay, no, I'm sorry. I do have one thought. I'm starting to wonder if Jason Bean is the guy at quarterback for Kansas. Um, he has a lot of accuracy issues, especially when he is on the run. Um, and that's where most of his problems have been is that he will go and take off and run. And instead of, you know, taking the time that he has to plant and then throw downfield or something to that effect, He'll throw wildly. His downfield accuracy is really bad, especially when he's moving, which isn't necessarily too bad, but it's a noticeable drop-off. But that seems to be his preferred way to try to throw the ball, is to run out to the the flat and then chuck it while he's on the run when it's clear that he's not going to be able to get any yards running. So I'm just starting to wonder what's going on here, whether it's, I mean, is it scheme at this point? Is it limitations with the quarterback that they just, he's not prepared for it? Um, I, and, and really the only reason it's even a question is because all of a sudden, I mean, I realized it was probably against Texas tech backups, but all of a sudden miles Kendrick starts moving the ball. Once he gets in, like, I don't know what that is. Like, why, why is he getting so much success at the very end of the games when I don't know that Texas tech had fully, you know, subbed in their second stringers, but Kansas was playing a bunch of second stringers on their offense as well. So it's really bad when your second string offense plays a lot better than your first string offense, you know, even accounting for the fact that you're playing up against the worst theoretically defense than those those first stringers were yeah uh basketball season is just over 20 days away i don't i don't i'm sorry that really should have been my answer it's just my thoughts about candace are that basketball season is 20 days away hey you know what you gave a good answer and i appreciate the uh, the quality content you bring when it comes to covering kansas and i would like to do a better job but it's yeah uh baylor 38 byu at 24 baylor i mean I know BYU put up some points late, but Baylor kind of dominated this after Jerry Bohannon mm-hmm. threw his or Gary Bohannon. I'm going to get it wrong, so let me just get it wrong and move on. Um, Bohannon threw his first interception of his of the year, you know, and you're like, "Up, oh, let's see what happens here." And then Baylor just dominated. I mean, absolutely dominated. And 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 look, it's BYU's second straight loss. The Boise State loss was fluky. This one just felt like Baylor absolutely was the better team, and. I mean, for the Baylor, like, I think we had a lot of questions because of their strength of schedule to start the year, right? Your non-conference was meh. You played Texas State and Texas Southern and Kansas. You got that win over Iowa State. It was a nice win. It felt a little fluky. They go and just get thumped by Oklahoma State and then rebound with a big win over, a, a blowout win over a bad West Virginia team. 
And now a resounding win over a solid BYU team who's already beaten three Pac-12 South teams, has a few more Pac-12 teams on the schedule, and I think is still going to have a nice season. Like for Baylor, I I do think this Baylor team is good. Like I, I do think this is a legitimately good Baylor team. I, I think them and Oklahoma State are two teams at this point. We just kind of have to say, okay, look, I mean, are they going to win a national championship or the Big 12? Probably not now that OU's figured things out at quarterback. We'll talk about them in a minute. But Baylor and Oklahoma State, they're really good. And I, I do think this is a good Baylor team, like the kind of Baylor team that's going to get to the end of the season and really hate that they don't have that tiebreaker uh, over Oklahoma State. Like I, I, I think it's not for two weeks. Baylor is off and is idle this week. So is Texas. They both have two weeks to prepare to face off against each other with Texas traveling to Waco. That's going to be a big game, a really big game for Baylor because I, this is a good Baylor team and Gary Bohannon, I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the Big 12. I'm not going to say that. But he's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. And if you want me I, to say I, out of how many, at least top three. I think it's fair to say he's been the most consistent this season, whether that's because of he's had the most opportunities or, you know, or if just like, because the, the guys that are playing better than him, you know, Caleb Williams and for, you know, to some, to some extent, Casey Thompson haven't had as many opportunities and have not, or if they have, haven't been as consistent as he has from game to game. Like the only bad game I can really think of um, would be that second half for Gary Bohannon against Iowa State. Other than that, he actually has played really, really well throughout the entire year. Yeah, I mean, I come away from this game going, okay, Baylor's Baylor's good. Baylor's finally ranked again. They should be ranked. Like I, I think we have answered enough questions that we had about Baylor based off the level of competition now after knocking off Iowa State and knocking off BYU and beating West Virginia the way they did. Like I know they lost a game to Oklahoma State. So have five other teams. So it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. I just, that loss looks like one that's going to really maybe potentially come back to haunt them at the end of the of the regular season. Jamie, any thoughts on Baylor? I, yeah, I mean, beating BYU looks really good but ultimately what they do against the rest of the big 12 is what really matters so if they can use that and they can use bye week to go out and get a victory over texas great if they don't i mean there's not really much else to say about them as far as like the big 12 picture goes but i mean obviously i'm all for baylor looking better because i'm still pissed iowa state lost to them but um it'll just be really interesting because having that mid-season non-conference game is just still really bizarre to me um, but I'll be very interested to see how they move forward after that. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. College football season is here and no tailgate is complete without a grill and no grill is complete without gridiron metalworks. Go to gridiron metalworks, find collegiate branded grill grates and griddles with actual school logos, as well as other awesome metal goods like flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers, among other things. All in actual school colors, not just the, yeah, it's, it's pretty close like you'll find at other places. Grilling at the game this Saturday? Sear your steak, burgers, broths, or veggies with the perfect Pistol Pete, Baylor Bear, or Kansas Jayhawk grill marks. They've got grill grates and griddles for all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Plus, these are the perfect gift for the hard to shop for. We can almost guarantee you'll find something from Gridiron that someone on your holiday shopping list does not have. These are high quality, custom cut and made in the usa and as someone who enjoys turning on the grill during the fall during football season during basketball season and as someone who's a diehard oklahoma state fan yeah an oklahoma state griddle for my grill fantastic 
right now when you use the promo code 1012, that's T-E-N, the number 12, T-E-N-1-2, you'll get 15% off your first purchase. And all orders over $100 get free shipping. So whether you're looking for a Kansas State grill grate, a West Virginia griddle, or a unique metal home good for your college football, college sports collection, visit gridironmetal.com. Use the promo code 1012 for 15% off your first order. You can also find the link in our show notes. Gridiron Metalworks for the college super fam. Are you a Big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long with exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, Okay. Speaking of Iowa State, Jamie, Iowa State 33, Kansas State 20. Um, Iowa State looks more looked more like the Iowa State we expected them to look like. I think that Idle Week did them some good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Whew, we got a game coming up on Saturday that's a biggie. Um, and I think everything is still in front of Iowa State. They've got the one loss to Baylor, but that's all they have in conference play. The Iowa loss has no impact on what they do in Big 12 play. Like everything, where a lot of things are still in front of Iowa State that could potentially happen. Came out against a Kansas State team that I've still been pretty high on, started non-conference well. And and won that game. Like I I know it was thirty three to twenty. It was the final score. It wasn't actually that close. Um, I think Iowa State looked quite good in this game. Jamie, what were your thoughts on the Cyclones from from Saturday? Well, I mean, I had a lot of conversations with people that this was some of the best, maybe some of the best play we've seen from Brock Purdy in his career. And our ten minute just absolute spirit killer drive in the second half might be the best drive of Campbell's career. Like that's to go out there to convert as many third downs as they did on that play to go out and able to kind of switch it up, not just say, okay, Brees Hall go run. And that's literally all we're going to do on this entire drive. Because I said over on Bosco's boys last week, like I love Brees Hall. I love Iowa state, but we have to be able to do show some threat in other areas to take the pressure off Reese to open up some lane for him. And I think that they absolutely did that. Like, it was just nice to see things kind of firing and to see them playing better at the right time of the season. Again, I mean, Iowa state fans will never, you know, stop saying that it would be nice if it would come a little bit earlier, but at least when they're playing, they're really playing. It was it was a really great game to watch, and especially considering how long it's been since we won out in Manhattan. That was a big accomplishment. Made Campbell the first coach in history in Iowa State history to beat every Big Twelve team. Like that's pretty major. I did not know this stat. That is a very nice stat. That's very impressive. Um, on the flip side of that, Kansas State. I mean, I'm not going to sell my stock, and I'll talk about symbol in a minute. But I am going to sell my stock from the standpoint of this team has the potential to do something this year. They're now 0-3 in Big 12 play, 
And something that we didn't talk about enough this offseason that I regret doing so was the loss of defensive coordinator Scotty Hazleton to Michigan State. Michigan State's having a very nice season defensively. If you go by EPA stats, they're the 34th best defense uh, in EPA per play on defense in the country. Um, they've been very, very good. Kansas State has has not. And in two state games, shout out to Ryan Black at Ryan A. Black on Twitter. Um, in the past two games, opposing quarterbacks have completed, completed 44 of 50 passes for 451 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, it's an 88% completion rate. Kansas State's defense is not what it was. And losing Scotty Hazleton, I think, is the is the reason. Now, I know that there's a couple of players for Kansas State who are, who are out, and they're big ones. Um, and I'm going to try and tell you their names, but I'm going to I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not going to try. Um, and obviously, losing players has a massive impact, but I don't think it's just the players. I think losing Hazleton, on top of the injuries they've dealt with, have just killed this Kansas State defense. It's historically and consistently been really good, um, great at forcing turnovers, pretty good in, in, in pass defense. It's not it's not great right now. It's not great this year. And I, I am a little worried for Kansas State at this point that despite the 3-0 start, you're looking at another year like last year where a great start to the season that's about to just kind of fall apart on them um, fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at this game, I mean, like you said, injuries definitely take their toll but there's really no excuse for being as bad as they are right now on defense. Um, and yes, I know that's rich coming from a Kansas fan whose defense is absolutely horrible. Um, but you know, it's one of those things they are, they have historically been a very, very good defensive team uh, because they typically have a defensive coordinator that can, you know, it's not like they haven't dealt with injuries in the past. Like for whatever reason, this team is just not adapting the way they normally do. They're not, they're just not handling this well. And this is a really weird look for Kansas state. But, I mean, Iowa State, first play from scrimmage, going 75 yards for a touchdown. And then from there, it wasn't even close. Like, Kansas State, the the points that they scored, for the most part, were scored in garbage time. And, and when garbage time starts, you know, basically with four minutes left in the third quarter after Iowa State goes up, you know, three scores at that point, like, you knew at that point that the game was over. There, there was no way that, that Kansas State was going to be able to do enough to be able to come back at that point because their defense – really hadn't shown the ability to, to stop anyone, and their offense wasn't getting anything going. Yes, Kansas State, Kansas State still scored two more touchdowns after that, but that, that game was never really in doubt once uh, Iowa State touched the ball in the second half. And so it's just one of those things, unfortunately, where it's not coming together for this team this season. I'm not going to go crazy and predict that like Kansas is going to give them a game or anything like that, but they are right now looking to me like probably the eighth or ninth you know, best team in, in the Big 12, which is not the kind of look that you want for a Kansas state team that a lot of people thought was going to have an opportunity to potentially be competing for that third or fourth spot in the conference this year. Yeah. It's, it's disappointing. It is disappointing to see. I I had higher expectations for Kansas state this year. Now, if you want to play sun is shining, things aren't as dark and cloudy as they look. One could argue Kansas State's three conference games they've had to play so far are against undefeated Oklahoma State, undefeated Oklahoma, and an Iowa State team that was preseason top 10, preseason pick to finish second in the Big 12. Like, it's not like they opened with the easiest three games in conference play. They now get to face Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia in their next four. So 
I mean, this, uh, this is why I'm saying the sky has not completely fallen for Kansas State yet, but it can very quickly over the next week or two. So I, I'm, I'm definitely – this weekend's game is coming up. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I, I'm, it. I say that every week, but I, but I am. I am. Well, and if they were taking a big step forward, they would have had a better chance at taking one of those. Like, it wasn't an easy slate, but you want to have a chance at what at something from that grouping if you really give a big step forward. Yeah, I mean, really what it comes down to is if they want to have, if they want an opportunity to go to a bowl game this year, they pro I mean, they have to get three more wins out of these next four games. And yes, like going to Kansas, that's a win. I mean, again, I'm not going to pick Kansas at, at at all to even be competitive in any of these games until they actually do it. Um just based off of what we've seen. But uh at, of course, you know, at that point, it's too late because the game's already happened at that point. But, you know, Texas <laughs> Tech is playing a whole lot better than them right now. Kansas mm-hmm. State, we're talking about. Uh, TCU's playing a whole lot better than Kansas State is right now. Even, like, like mm-hmm. the only other game, the only other the only other team that is playing at the same general level as Kansas State is West Virginia. Which means that if you, you know, give them that game, right? Because West Virginia's defense is having issues right now for whatever reason, and the offense is having lots of issues. Um, like if you think that one's a 50, 50 coin flip, but you give them that one that they win, they get the game against Kansas. You still have to get what is probably going to be an upset against either Texas tech at Texas tech or home against TCU. And just to be able to go bowling, you know, and when the expectations were at least for most Kansas state fans, I talked to was an eight or nine win season this year. Like that is hugely disappointing that they are going to be struggling just to go to a bowl game this year. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think you're, they have to get three of the next four is probably fair. For Kansas State, that's it's a wild thing to think about. Like I said, I am not going to sell my stock in Kansas State. By that, my single share that I own on Simple, despite the fact that it hasn't gotten me any money in the last three years. But that's okay. I am not going to get rid of it. Symbol, of course, is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when the teams that you have win. It's been a few weeks since I've gotten a payout, thanks to Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in profit off your favorite teams or just the teams that you've decided to invest in. Uh, Symbol is, of course, offering a very special giveaway to the Big 12, <laughs> to the 1012 podcast and all the 1012 network. Uh, they're going to hold a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choosing. And I'm going to say this, we're, we're closing in on, on the end of this promotion because at some point we actually have to give those tickets away. All you have to do is sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. You'll be entered in for a chance to win two tickets to a game of your choosing. So go to Symbol.com, create a free account, poke around, see what you like. Kansas is still pretty stinking cheap. It's cheap to get Kansas share. Uh, and that is a long-term investment. Again, not a, not a short-term one. It's a long-term, uh, but it's still the cheapest one on there. Isn't it? Hold on a second. Or is it what? Is it? Not? I think it is now. I don't think it was as of even last week, but. Yeah, West Virginia is pretty low. I don't think this is low. Oh, I see what the problem is. Never mind. I know why. It's because they don't have it high to low. There we go. Uh, yeah, Kansas. Ooh, it's still down there. I keep looking. I, 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 I should have pulled the trigger last week, and I almost did. I almost did. I almost sunk the 30 bucks in to give me a share of Baylor, and I should have done it. And I'm probably going to have to do it this week because I think there are more wins on the way for Baylor. And I would like a share of something that's going to get me some more wins. Though I do think Kansas State will at least get me one more. 
Sure. Uh, hey, go hey, to Sim- you are guaranteed you at least one more payout this yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. They can't just <laughs> take play. Um, okay, so go to simple.com, create a free account, poke around, take a look. It's a lot of fun. I'm really, as, as much as I'm joking about my shares, like I really do enjoy this. Uh, make sure you use the promo code NETWORK12. When you deposit your first $25, you'll be entered in for a chance to win two free tickets with a big game of your choosing. So symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com, promo code NETWORK12. Start investing and uh, have some fun. It's a great, it's, it is, it's a ton of fun. I, I do enjoy keeping track of it. It's very exciting. It's really neat stuff. If this sounds like the kind of thing you're into, go check it out. Hey, y'all. We're Fire the Cannon, part of the 1012 Network of Podcasts. I'm Megan. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rocky. And we cover all things University of Texas sport. And a little bit of everything else. College football, NFL, sports news, and of course, our hottest takes on everything in between. Find us on your favorite podcast platform for new episodes every week. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at FireTheCanon1. That's the number one, y'all. Thanks for listening to Fire the Cannon. Okay. Oklahoma 52, TCU 31. Uh, TCU has officially transitioned away from being a defensive team. Um, their rush defense is is bad. Um, it's bad, bad, bad. Like, real bad. Um, I'm going to tell you how bad. Give me just one second as soon as I find them on here. There they are. Um, if we go by EPA, right, expected points added per rush on defense. They're not the worst team in the country, but they're 125th out of 130 schools. Okay, Missouri is the worst rushing defense in the country. TCU is one spot better than Kansas, in case you want to know where they rank on, on rushing defense. It's not good. Everybody can run the ball on TCU right now, and they have multiple teams that are very good at rushing the ball still left on the schedule. Quick side note, supposed to be, yeah. I, am, I am thoroughly enjoying the fact that Missouri is the worst rushing defense by EPA. Uh, Just, all I'm going to say is this. Um, I had questioned why they hopped on Eli Drinkowitz after just one year at taking over at a successful school where he didn't have to do anything except win with good players for a year. But they did, and I think that was a terrible, 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 terrible mistake by Missouri, and I don't care because they're in the SEC now. And and I know you don't care either. But hey, you guys have on the schedule, and maybe they'll still be this bad when Kansas plays them, and you'll have a really close game. I sure hope so. The Missouri Tigers. Um, If we have to play them, at least hopefully we have an opportunity to beat them. My two biggest takeaways are TCU's run defense is bad, and I don't think it's going to get any better, and I, there's real issues for TCU defense. On the flip side, Oklahoma's corners are bad. They are bad. They made Xavier Worthy look like a freaking All-American last week. He didn't look like that against Oklahoma State. They made Quentin Johnson look like one this Saturday. Seven catches, 185 yards, and three touchdowns. He mossed a few guys. That's what everybody was saying was mossed. I understand that that's a big word to use, but that's what happened. Um, yes. Caleb Williams was the right move for Oklahoma. I'm sorry to everybody who didn't get a chance to play Oklahoma when Spencer uh, Rattler was still the starting quarterback, but your chances for wins were gone because uh, Caleb Williams, I don't know if OU loses again this season. I'm saying again, at all this season, they might. It happens. Just, you know. OU's corners are bad. Caleb Williams is awesome. TCU's defense is a problem. Their rushing defense is awful. And uh, Max Duggan had a good day. I thought he had a good day. 20 for 30, 346 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, QBR of 91.6. I thought he had a good day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to hold this one against the TCU defense. I'm going to be honest. Like, Caleb Wilson 
or Wilson, Caleb Williams is a completely different quarterback than I think most people were expecting for what Oklahoma to be able to do. Like, you know, you look at that tape that they had, and yeah, I mean, he came in and played fairly well in the Red River rivalry, but like, I mean, you don't expect Caleb Williams to be able to do what he did in that game, especially when he hasn't been starting, which makes me wonder, you know, like, why was Spencer Rattler starting the year, the beginning of the year? If it's anything other than, you know, hey, he was the guy last year and we don't want to upset that. But, like, you know, the way that that whole situation got handled, if Rattler was going to get replaced or was going to throw a huge fit after getting replaced, like it seems like he did after, you know, the last week game against Texas, then uh, probably better to just go ahead and do that at the beginning of the year, give Caleb Williams the entire season with what he's been able to do. And and, and that's the part that I don't really understand is because you talk with Oklahoma players or Oklahoma, like, people that covered the team last year, they were already raving about what Caleb, Caleb Williams could do. And so the fact that he got delayed for that long because of Spencer Rattler and, you know, the issues that Spencer Rattler had, yes, Spencer Rattler's supposed to be a really good player as well, but Caleb Williams is just objectively looks better. And so that's probably like the one misstep when it comes to quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley has had is keeping a guy in Rattler in there when it, it's pretty apparent to anybody who's seen Caleb Williams play for a game and a half that he is the better quarterback. He is the guy that can actually do what it is that Oklahoma needs him to do. I mean, we were talking about how bad the offensive line looked for Oklahoma when Rattler is back there. Caleb Williams comes in, and the offensive line isn't a problem at all. Like, I, I don't I don't understand what it was that they were seeing in camp, what they were seeing in practice, that made them think we have to keep Rattler in there when there are so many problems with that offense. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Hype is, is difficult to, <laughs> to overcome. A lot of times, you know, especially when you're coming down to individual players. I mean, you're talking about Spencer Rattler as a preseason Heisman candidate. He comes in, he's not up to snuff, and you've got someone waiting in the wings who has really good potential, but it's a high risk, high reward situation. You know, you throw the kid in and he's not looking great. And, you know, you've got all sorts of flack for that, but you also stick with Rattler too long and you've got people giving you a flack for that too. I mean, it's it's tough because as a coach, you have to try make those decisions but it it's just so it's just such a fluid situation and so knowing what people had said about Williams in the past I do agree Andy like there was a lot of people who were really high on him who were coming out and saying, you know this guy has incredible potential and so I think that there could have been a chance seeing him earlier but at the same time it I mean Rattler was great for them last year and so it's just it's a tricky situation, but I think they've obviously got it figured out by now. Yeah, it, it was just one of those things. Like when I did the preview for Kansas, Oklahoma last year, you know, with some of the guys over at Crimson and Cream Machine, um, like the guy that I spoke with was already talking about, like, man, we can't wait until Caleb Williams is the guy, like, because mm-hmm. he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Like, if you have guys that aren't in the locker room, like, aren't you know, in the media room with all with all the covers and everything, are salivating at how great that guy is. Like, you you have to have a really good reason to keep Rattler on the field. And, yes, I understand, like, he was a Heisman favorite, but 95% of that is just because Lincoln Riley is known as, like, a quarterback guru. Like, it's, it's I mean, you know, he's had so many successful quarterbacks that most of the hype that, they're, that the quarterbacks at Oklahoma get are usually because of Lincoln Riley. Because they're you working could literally replace their name with just Oklahoma quarterback, and it would be the, functionally the right. same. right. Like Caleb Williams, I, I thought was the one quarterback that was at Oklahoma that was generating hype because of him and not because he was going to be at Oklahoma playing quarterback. Like that's, 
that's the the what I got just from talking with a few guys. And so that's why I'm just puzzled, you know, that it took so long to get Williams on the field here. And yeah, like there's already people talking about he could be a potential Heisman finalist, like because he played that well. And if he can keep this up, what he did for the entire rest of the season in a in a year where there's a lot of middling quarterback play, a lot of, you know, there's no clear cut front runner. I mean, I think that's actually a legitimate possibility that he could be. I don't. I don't think he'll win it because he has. He's so far behind, not having started the beginning of the year. But I do think that there's at least a possibility that he could be invited to New York as as a finalist if he keeps playing this well. And I don't see any kind of weaknesses in his game that make me think he's not going to keep playing this well. And there's not a a defense left other than potentially Oklahoma State. But of course, Philip, you know how well it goes for Oklahoma State defense going up against Oklahoma and Bedlam, like. Like, that's the one game where the opposing defense is probably good enough that you might think Caleb Williams could have some problems, but there's a whole bunch of other history to worry about for that particular game that makes me think that he might he's probably going to be just fine, unfortunately, for you. Thank, thanks for that, Andy. Thank, thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, hey, um, hey, hey, you started it. A few a few final thoughts for me. First of all, um, I'm not going to go too hard on Lincoln for not benching the guy who had looked so good as, as good as he did at the end of last season for a freshman. Like we make this stuff in media all the time and most of the time, most of the time you shouldn't make the switch. Occasionally you should. It's a lot easier in hindsight, um, but credit to Lincoln for making the switch. Um, some guys just don't, coaches just don't do it. Uh, on the flip side of that, um, the worst thing Texas did this year for the rest of Big 12 was getting up big on Oklahoma so that they did make the switch as opposed to everybody getting to face off against Spencer Rattler because now they have to face Caleb Williams, and that seems like a massive upgrade for Oklahoma's offense. So thanks, Texas. You did it all a huge favor last week. Good on you. Uh, Yet three, again, it's all Texas's fault. Three, the demeanor of the entire team for Oklahoma is completely different with Caleb Williams as a starter than it was as Spencer Rattler. And if you know anything about Rattler and have seen the Netflix special with him in it, that is the least shocking thing possible. That team is completely different personality-wise. They seem so much just freaking happier to be playing football with Caleb Williams at the helm than they did with Spencer Rattler. That's what I said the first time he went in and started playing significant snaps is it was palpable. Yep. You could, you could reach out in the air, grab a chunk like it was cotton candy and just consume it. That's how thick it was. And it, it was even more obvious on Saturday against TCU. Uh, last time on TCU, I, I'm, I don't want to keep ragging on their defense, but um, shout to, to the Frogcast TCU, Jeff Mitchell. Um, kind of put together, here's all the points that they've given up in yards. Cal, 33 points, 441 yards. SMU, 42 points and 595 yards. The, those two in particular I want to point out, and I realize those were non-con in a while ago. Those are the most points that those two teams have put up this season. Came against TCU. Cal offense is terrible, okay? They put up 17 against Nevada. Against, uh, let me say, Against FBS opponents, forget the FCS team. They, okay, set the FCS games aside. It doesn't matter. Against FBS opponents, Cal's put up 17, 24 in overtime, 6, and 17. They put up 32 against TCU. SMU's got a good offense, right? They're good. They put up 35 against North Texas, 39 against Louisiana Tech. 
41 against South Florida, 31 against Navy. They put up 42 against TCU. TCU's defense is, it's not good. It is not good. And for a, a program and a team that is built on defense, that is a problem. That is a huge problem. Teams are averaging 38 points and 560 yards a game against TCU, and the run defense is bad. I Look, I made this joke to Parker, and he's going to kill me for it, for saying it out loud. Like, I look forward to TCU somehow finding a way to win, like, four of their last six games and getting everybody excited heading into 22 and believing that some that's going to be the year and the same exact thing happening again next year with Gary Patterson at the helm. That's enough yeah, negativity I mean, on TCU. <laughs> well, I would just say, you know, this is, again, deja vu because, you know, again, last year I was talking with Melissa, tree bosser, um, you know, and, and again, previewing the TCU game. And, you know, we were talking about how it just seems like for whatever reason, Gary Patterson's defenses are getting into ruts and, and they have to figure out what it is. Like, you're right. Like, they're having a lot of problems trying to get back to what it is that they do. You know, but, right, like, I think I think the the weirdest thing is that, not just to the point of those teams that are playing really well, like TCU has not had a game where they gave up less than 31 points, except for the Duquesne game, which I don't count that one. Cause again, it doesn't count. Right. So like they are giving up at least 31 points in every single game this year so far. And I mean, like, you know, it'll be, it, I mean, it'll, it'll end up being, so bad, like, if, if this keeps continuing, like, if they, if they give up 30 points against Kansas, then you really know something's wrong, and you can't say that TCU's a defensive school anymore. Like, at least under, like, this iteration of the TCU team. Like, it's one of those things where it has gone horribly wrong, they have to get it figured out, and I'm just shocked because, you're right, like, that's Gary Patterson's calling card. They've got games coming up against West Virginia and Kansas State. We'll see how they look against two of the teams that are Looking like they Struggling might be at the bottom. Offense, yeah. Definitely West Virginia towards the bottom of the conference this year. So um, I'm not going to say those are get-right games, but it's an opportunity for TCU to to try and kind of turn this ship around. Um, last one, Oklahoma State 32, Texas 24. Uh, I promised, uh, I promised our, our, our good friend Texas Fancy Boots from the uh, Fire the Cannon podcast, also known as Megan. But that would be nice. So I'm just going to read some stats off. Uh, here for a second. Uh, Texas scored 17 points in the first 24 minutes of the game. The next 36 minutes, they managed seven points. We're on Oklahoma State side of the field twice. One of them was due to an interception. And their drives after the uh, after the pick six that Oklahoma State got to, to bring the score to 17 to 10. Uh, three plays negative 70 yards, five plays 80 yards, and a touchdown. Three plays for negative three. Three yard plays for seven yards. Three plays for four yards. Three plays for negative six yards. Four plays for seven yards, uh, one play for five yards was a defensive penalty uh, and an interception. Oklahoma State defense did to Texas what they did to Boise State. They got burned early and then they shut them the absolute heck down. Texas had a total of one yard, one yard in the fourth quarter, and over fourteen yards over the final twenty-six minutes and seventeen seconds of the game. Um, it's a second straight game where Texas has blown a lead, a double digit lead, a double digit half, uh, first half lead. Um, at this point, um, if you can stop Bijan, 
who is still arguably one of the, like, if not the best running back in the country, one of the best running backs, is one of the best running backs in the country, still think he's the best running back in the Big 12. I, I, I get all the, sorry to those who want to argue with somebody else, I get it, but if you can shut down Bijan or force Texas to stop running him, which it seems to be what they do in the second half, he got three touches in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma and four against Oklahoma State, and that was it. Granted, you didn't get a whole lot of actual plays, so he can't carry the ball if you can't get more than, you know, three opportunities per drive. If they, if you can stop Bijan, you stop Texas's offense because that's what Oklahoma State did and held them to what uh, math is not my forte, 17 points um, under what is now their season average of, of 41 points a game. That's after the Oklahoma State game. It was higher before that. So just understand that. Um, I think this whole like, it's OU Texas for the title game. And I said it and I am, I was wrong. I think that trip is over. And at this point, if you're Texas, you're just trying to use this year to figure things out, prepare for next year and, and see how good of a season you can have. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, Oh God, that's a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> it's you're, I mean, you're starting off those games feeling pretty dang good. And we know how they ended. It's it's rough. I mean, you can feel pretty dang high and come back down to earth pretty quick. So it's definitely a letdown if you're Texas. But again, we said early on it was it's really hard to judge where they were going to be and that it didn't seem like it was a Texas's back year that everyone not everyone. Some people wanted to say a lot of people were really low on them. Some people were very high on them. I think that the truth is more in the middle. Yeah, the thing that jumps out to me, and and Philip, I will note that you promised you'd be nice, but I never did. But I will still be nice just in, the, in, in the spirit of being nice to other people that are on the network. But no, um, what I've noticed about Texas is they really seem to be a first half team. Um, I don't know if it's the coaching staff is not doing well in terms of making adjustments after half when the other team is adjusting or what. But for whatever reason, you know, they are essentially scoring double the points in the first half that they do or more in the first half compared to the second half. And it's a trend that's been happening. I mean, even in the, even in the Texas tech game where they just completely obliterated them. And I think part of that obviously was, you know, being up by four scores going into the second half, you can kind of get a little bit more conservative, but what we are seeing from this Texas team is that they come out really hot and then all of a sudden they cool down like a lot at halftime. And I don't, again, I don't know if it's, they're not making adjustments to the adjustments that the opponents are making, or if teams are finally figuring out how to stop Bijan for a little bit, which then makes the entire offense fall apart for Texas. Like, I really don't know what it is, but for some reason, there's a noticeable step down from the defense. There's a notable step down from the offense going into the second half, and they have not been able to hold on for the last two weeks. And it's, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for all those Texas fans that, you know, thought, like you said, it was going to be Oklahoma and Texas again in the big 12 title game. Cause I just, I don't know how it's going to happen if they can't find a way to start finishing games. And yes, like they're getting an opportunity potentially here to, um, you know, to, to have a more favorable schedule for that kind of coming down the road here. But I, I still just don't know. I mean, they've got Baylor and ISU, but like their final three games, they should be able to finish strong, but they've got to get through some big tests at, you know, in, in Waco against Baylor and that I, and then at, um, Iowa State up there in Ames. So 
you know, it's it's tough. Like you said, I don't know that I see them at this point based off what we've seen the last two weeks. I don't I don't know that I see them being able to make it to the Big 12 championship game just because of those issues. But really, they've just got to find a way to be able to play consistently from the first half to the second half. And again, I don't know what the cause is for it. My best bet, though, is that it probably has something to do with the fact that they're just not adjusting well. Looking at EPA on defense, that's, again, expected points added. Texas is 86th overall on defense, uh, 78th against the rush, 89th against the pass. Defense has not been good for Texas so far this season. Of course, when we take things out like the Rice game, which is basically playing an FCS team. Sorry, Rice. Um, they're just, they're not, they're not very good defensively. Um, and so the offense is having to do the work and, and the offense, like you said, but really it has been the last two weeks where the second half teams are adjusting and, and, and Texas is not. And I don't know what the plan is. I don't know why they seem to go away from the run so much, but I, yeah, I, it, it's wild on the Oklahoma state side. I, I try not to be, I'm, I'm going to not be the Homer here. I have been very like, eh, I know they're number eight in the country in the AP poll now. I don't think they should be number eight in the country in the AP poll, but we're also at the point in the season where they're undefeated. And that tends to happen to teams that are undefeated just because that's you move up. That's the way it works. I don't think they're the eighth best team in the country. However, I wanted to see them play an offense, the caliber of Texas's. We can sit here and poo-poo on Texas, but they put up 48 against Oklahoma. They put up half that against Oklahoma State. Again, I read all those stats out. They put up 17 points and then did squat. I mean, Oklahoma State's defense shut them down, got a pick six, got an interception to seal the game. Like, part of it, again, I think was some weird Texas play calling on offense, but Oklahoma State's defense stepped up and and played arguably their best game of the season. I thought them giving up 31 points was going to be a good a good defensive performance. They held them to 24 the offense is still whatever. Gundy is in is his conservative happy place because the defense is so good. Um, I promised me when it was 17-3, I was like, I think I'm going to go ahead and just turn this off because this is about to be a, a nasty blowout. Really glad I didn't. The offense is still an issue. Spencer Sanders is Spencer Sanders, and, and they've got issues with wide receivers who like to not catch the ball. But the defense for Oklahoma State is legitimate. And if they can continue to provide points on defense on a regular basis. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying they're making the big 12 title game, but at this point they are in the driver's seat and they have one big challenge other. And I don't owe you. Let's set that aside. You can lose to OU and still go to the title game and lose to OU a second time. Um, they have one big challenge left on the schedule, and that's obviously this coming Saturday. We'll talk about that here in, in just a second. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone on on this you know podcast here thinks that Texas has a bad offense. Like what Oklahoma State did to shut down that Texas offense in the second half was impressive. Um, you know, so I, it's definitely one of those things where they have Oklahoma State have to figure out what to do on offense because for whatever reason it's just not going well. And like I at this point I'm not even sure if it's scheme or if it's personnel or if it's everything, but. For whatever reason, it's just not working. They've got to shake something up. They've got to do something because you're right. If they want to compete with Oklahoma at all, um, yeah, they have to have an offense to do something with. Like, no matter how good their defense is, Oklahoma's going to score. And if they can't score back as well, then they're going to have a lot of problems. And, you know, the one that does worry me is that Iowa State game, kind of like what you're talking about. 
Um, because yeah, we've got to figure out, or I'm sorry, they have to figure out how they're going to keep up with an Iowa State offense that is getting better. Like they're not going to be able to shut down what Iowa State wants to do, and Iowa State's defense is probably getting pretty close to what Oklahoma State's defense is doing. And so you can't have one unit that is lagging so far behind all the other units that are on the field if you want to be competitive in that game as well. So, I think Gunny's getting to do what he wants to do, which is run the ball, try not to make too many mistakes, and just, I don't know. Like, it's this is Gundy. Gundy is conservative. Gundy is a conservative play caller. He is. They were, Spencer Sanders isn't great but the receivers weren't really helping him. There were some weird play calls and then Oklahoma state was able to win. And, and this isn't 2015 levels of like, I don't understand how this is happening. It's happening because the defense is really good, but it's, it's something to see. Um, speaking of something to see, we're just looking around during game days when you're at a game or at the bar with friends and you see, you see a shirt and you're like, Holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah. Where did they get that shirt from? I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and just, take a guess that was probably from home field apparel the company that makes the most comfortable the most comfortable t-shirts sweaters and hoodies you have ever worn featuring the coolest vintage college sports logos you will ever find love having these guys as a sponsor here on the podcast because <laughs> there's stuff of course they have te- big 12 schools like texas and texas tech baylor iowa state oklahoma state and west virginia upcoming big 12 schools like byu Houston and UCF. almost said Cincinnati, but they don't have Cincinnati. They don't have Cincinnati. TCU is on the way. We just don't know when, but we do know it's coming. Guys, if you have not gone to Homefield Apparel yet, you're missing out. And with the holidays coming and with winter coming, go shop the sweaters. Go shop the hoodies. Go shop the joggers, okay? Or be looking for things for friends and family members who you're like, you know what? They've got all this great stuff. And I bet they don't have home field, and that will just help make their com- their collection of of Boise State or Navy or Texas Tech or Butler or Indiana gear like that much more complete. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code Network12 N E T W O R K one two and get fifteen percent off your first order. All orders of seventy dollars or more get free shipping. Okay, promo code Network12 fifteen percent off your first order. Oh, you will not regret this, I promise. All of us are a bunch of home field heads. I think that's the term for it. Maybe home fielders, home fieldies. We gotta oh, ask Connor. There's gotta yeah, be. Yeah, we do have to term. ask Connor. But Connor, no, what? I will just yeah. say, I took it. I took full advantage of the fact that I can actually wear that kind of stuff while I'm working because I work from home. Um, and I spent the last week in nothing but home field apparel in terms of shirts. So it was fantastic. I can. Wait, wait, you wore pants, I can right? go Shirts. I said in terms of shirts. Okay. Because I don't have the I don't have the doggers. I had the doggers. Doggers. Homebuildapparel.com. Promo code Network12. 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this college football and soon to be basketball season. This is Brandon Phoenix, aka I also hate pit, joined by my brother. Jeremy, J, and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. All right. 
We talked about BYU. I'm going to do a quick look around the teams coming in. Houston was off this week. Uh, Cincinnati faced off with UCF, which makes this really easy because that's literally the two teams that were going to be two of the teams that are going to be coming. Uh, Cincinnati just thumped UCF, uh, 56 to 21, and it was it was uh, what was it, uh, 35 to seven at, at half. <laughs> it was yeah. Cincinnati's really good. UCF's not what they were. Uh, Cincinnati is very good. They have yet to have the letdown after the big win over Notre Dame. They've There's got, a reason uh, that they're ranked number two. There is a reason they're ranked number two. This is still not quite 2007, but we're, we're goodness. We're so close. Goodness. We're close. Uh, they got some, with the schedule coming up, they go to Navy. It's always a weird game. Uh, they go to Tulane. It's not great. Tulsa's a weird team at USF. There's no reason they should lose those next four. Then comes their biggest game of the regular season that remains against SMU. Circle that game on the calendar, November 20th. I hope game day is there. I hope both teams are undefeated. Yes, that means SMU will have to beat a Houston team that is rolling. They're 5-1 and one now, 3-0 in conference play. Like, who? Um, those are the three best teams. I hope for Cincinnati's sake that SMU keeps winning and that Houston keep win- keeps winning and that both those teams can get ranked and give Cincinnati some more ranked opportunities. Notre Dame keeps winning, which is helping them out. Like Cincinnati is ranked number two in the AP poll. If they are outside, if they continue to win, when the first playoff rankings come out, if Cincinnati remains undefeated and is still like number two in the AP poll and are not in the top four in the playoff rankings, then you know that Cincinnati has zero chance of getting into the playoff. Okay. Just, we're just going to have to know it because it's not dead set yet. Like if they win out, yeah, they should get in. You end up with like undefeated Oklahoma, undefeated Georgia, one loss, Bam, or one loss, Georgia, one loss, Bama, one loss. Ohio. Like there's so many things that are going to happen. Cincinnati's going to be sitting there undefeated going like, what the just happened? Like, well, we got all the blue blood. So haha, Bearcats. I, I hope that the, the good gods make sure things work out the right way and we get a fun team like Cincinnati in the playoff because we all deserve it this year. We deserve something different, and I mean that kind of different. I want to see it. So, so what you're telling me, Philip, is that you are already prepared to light the torches so you can light the couch on fire and riot. Oh, I got I got, I got some some oil back here. Oil. I live in Arkansas. There's, there's no I. It's just uh, like eight U's and an L is the correct pronunciation of oil where I now have to reside. Um, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, for UCF, well, yeah, make a bowl game, I guess. You're going to join the Big 12, so that's exciting. Okay. Four games on the docket in the Big 12 in this coming Saturday. As we mentioned, Baylor and Texas are off. Andy, I know you got to get out of here, and I don't want to go too much longer, so let's do this. Andy, which game are you looking forward to this coming Saturday? I am looking forward to the fact that I am the only one that can actually talk about this game by the rules of your, you know, <laughs> you can't pick your own team. So, I, and honestly, though, if I'm looking at this slate, it's probably the only game that is like a must-see game, and that's Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Um, you know, these are these are the two teams that are vying right now for the opportunity to face Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship and probably lose as Oklahoma storms their way to the uh, college football playoff. But it's going to be a great game nonetheless. Um you know, it's just one of those, like, it's, it is the one question. Can Oklahoma State finally get their offense turned around, or is it enough of a handicap right here that Iowa State is able to to pull off this win? You know, I was I was up in Ames just a couple weeks ago, and it's an absolutely ridiculously great environment up there. Um, you know, I'm not really super familiar with how Oklahoma State normally plays up there, but I have to imagine that as long as Iowa State doesn't have a special teams mishap, that they're going to have a really, really good opportunity to win this game. Um, but 
regardless, I am definitely going to be watching this game. I can't really think, you know, even just looking on the national slate, like I'm having a hard time finding another game in that time slot. That's even close at this point. Cause it's yes, I'm, I'm big 12 biased, but this is one of the premier games, honestly, nationally, especially in this particular time slot. There is, I looked at the whole schedule. There is not a like ranked on ranked matchup. I, I could find, um, uh, that's where I thought game day announced, uh, they're going to Oregon versus UCLA. That's kind of what I thought they would go do. It's an interesting I mean, matchup. It makes a lot why? of sense. Go to the pack 12. Uh, UCLA is good. Oregon has one loss. Like I, the one I was hoping, I was really, really hoping we just segue here for a second. I was really hoping that army would beat Wisconsin and that they would just suck it up and go to like undefeated wake forest at one loss army. Like it would have been amazing. That's a great game. That would be uh, awesome. At least they're not going to Georgia again or another SEC game. You know, they're going to a Pac-12 game. It's fine. I, I like If you care that much about, what, like, well, they should have gone to, you're going to watch it no matter what. Like, the fact that they go to SEC games over and over again defeats is against the entire purpose of what game day is supposed to be, but whatever, don't care. They're going to Oregon UCLA. Makes a lot of sense. That's cool. They already went to Ames earlier this season. They weren't going to go there this week. Um, Jamie, which game are you most excited for? I I guess West Virginia and TCU. I don't know. I'm not going to be particularly closely watching anything else. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to Ames. It's homecoming. JSJ Um, is cheating. No, no, I I gave an answer. I'm just saying that it's a shitty answer. It's a fake answer. (laughs) At least she's honest. Look, it's this. Okay. It is a huge game. Uh, Oklahoma State is ranked eighth. Iowa State is unranked. Oklahoma State is undefeated. Iowa State has two losses. Iowa State opened as a seven-point favorite, and ESPN's matchup predictor gives them a seventy-eight point two percent chance of winning. We were trying to Computers figure out if that's and, like if that's the one of the biggest unranked over a top ten favorites. It in recent history. has to be like it has to, to be honest though. Like Iowa State is like twenty sixth in the poll. To be honest, right. like we should yeah. be treating them as if they're ranked. I mean, again, but they have two losses, and it. But it's not like you know. Oh well, you know, they're like it, this is still the Iowa State team that we thought they would be. They just played an Iowa team and had turn that turns everybody over except for Purdue. <laughs> oh, Jamie, I forgot. One to of give the you people in my minutes. house was happy this weekend. I forgot to give you five minutes. I am really one of my really good friends is a Purdue alum, so we were. Um, we were having some fun with that one. I'm sorry to your husband. Um, uh, the, 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 the channel got switched with several minutes to go in the game. It's like, you know what? I, I can't imagine why. Meanwhile, you know, sponsor of the podcast, Gridiron Metal, was absolutely loving that Purdue yeah. win because they are Purdue people. So I feel no, like I actually, husband is I actually extremely tried to... realistic. So he's been just waiting for this to happen, frankly. It was going to. I'd say it was, it was, it was going to happen eventually. I mean, it's o- just, Oklahoma State's going to lose a game where they the defense just gets off, has an off day, and this is probably going to be it. Like I just keep waiting for it to happen. And honestly, of of the teams as an Oklahoma State fan, I'd rather lose to Iowa State this year, who's a good team, than like on the road at Texas Tech. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to let my OSU fandom like seep through here for a minute. I try not to on a very regular basis. It, I, I work very hard at it. Like of all the teams, I would rather lose a game to this year. Like I'd rather be at least be a good one, like Iowa State, than West Virginia or Texas Tech or, like 
I tell you right now, I'll trade you. I will give you the Iowa State game if we could just win one Bedlam game. Okay, it won't happen, but I would I would give that up. Okay, um, it is the best game Oklahoma State at Iowa State. It is the best game in the Big Twelve. It's one of the best games in the country this weekend. It's two thirty in Fox, but I'm not supposed to pick that game either. So I will pick the one that I am mildly intrigued by: Texas Tech hosting Kansas State. Kansas State 0 3 in conference play. Again, we talked about how they played Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, arguably three of the best teams in the Big 12 this year. They're kind of reeling. A loss at Texas Tech does feel like it's really going to kind of put Kansas State in a really tough spot. In fact, a loss for either of these teams puts both, to me, in a really tough spot. For Kansas State, you need three more wins to get to a bowl game. We talked about the four games late they have coming up at Texas Tech, TCU, at Kansas, and home for West Virginia. It's to have Baylor and at Texas. I'm not saying they can't win those, but it does feel like they've got to get three wins out of these next four. Starting off 0-1 on those four would not be ideal. For Texas Tech, can they get to that sixth win? I think they do. They've got Kansas State, but then they have to end at Oklahoma versus Iowa State versus Oklahoma State and at Baylor. Like, these are two teams that are in some very interesting spots right now where if they're going to go bowling, and I know Texas Tech only needs one more win to go bowling, and it sounds really silly, and I think that they're going to beat Kansas State despite the fact that Vegas had Kansas State open as a one-point favorite on the road, which is wild to me. The Vegas lines this week are just... I This game does really intrigue me because of, I think, how big it is for both teams looking at what they have left on the schedule moving forward and what they both have to still accomplish. I think it's interesting. Like, oh, you at Kansas, sorry, Andy, whatever. I, I, I'll probably watch for a little bit, and then I'll feel bad and change the channel. Um, these two games are on at the same time. West Virginia, TCU, like, this feels like a good spot for TCU to get another win. I think West Virginia is, on the flip side, it wouldn't shock me if West Virginia had their best offensive output against TCU and, and Letty Brown went off because TCU's run defense is bad. But this Kansas State-Texas Tech game, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it does feel like a situation for both teams that is really, really kind of a must-win. For Texas Tech, get that sixth win, guarantee your bowl spot, feel really good. For Kansas State, you've got to win three of the next four. To us, it would really stink if you started 0-1 in those next four. So... I am very intrigued by Kansas State and Texas Tech. I think it's a big game for both of those teams. You guys got any final thoughts? Yeah, just my final thought, that West Virginia TCU game, kind of like we talked about, you know, it was two weeks ago the last time I was on, that is now a must win for both of those teams to be able to go bowling at this point. The way that they're playing, I don't know that, like, if they don't have this game, I don't know that they can get enough wins to be able to go bowling. And, and honestly, it may not be enough for West Virginia. My final thought is, back on board i'm ready to be hurt again i'm ready for the weekend uh, uh, look i'm i am not uh, treat others the way you want to be treated so i try not to be a snarky or anything but i did find it semi-ironic that iowa state tweeted out the like 15 and 2 graphic in the month of october the week before they're going to play the team who's given them the two I'm just yeah, saying I mean, timing is um interesting choice. Interesting choice. That's all. I love you, Iowa State fans. I do. You guys are awesome. You roast you. him. Attack him mercilessly. <laughs> Get angry online. Look, Iowa State hey, fans are happy to hate me hate when and, and love me at the same time. You guys know I love you. You're fantastic. Uh okay. Do us a favor, leave us a rating and review. Five stars, please leave us a review. It does really, really help get the show 
Um, it helps helps us rise up in the ranking. So if you are a fan of the show and want to help us out, like it, it takes you a few minutes in iTunes. Just type in something. It can be long. It Dad? can be short. You, Dad, I know you're listening. <laughs> I'll help you do it. I'll see you this weekend. <laughs> that was awesome. That is probably my favorite moment of this podcast ever. Like, that was follow, fantastic. Follow Andy Mitz on Twitter at Andy Mitz 12. Follow Jamie at JSTYZ. J-S-T-E-Y-Z. I don't know what else to say. We're going to end it there. It, 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 was, it flustered Philip so much that he doesn't even know how to throw it over to us to give our own handles at the end of the episode. Way to go. Way to go, Jamie. Podcast Network.